You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, me? This is your boy, Omega. Thank you for joining us for a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. And today, folks, woo, we're going to talk indie comics, kiddo, with a brother from my own Eli, yo. That's right, a Puerto Rican creator that's busting, busting it, right? I mean, he's on the east coast of the states now, up north. I mean, he's a writer, a photographer, comic book artist. He got some joint called The Plot right now, and he's murdering it in the indie scene. The one, the only, my fellow Borigua, el señor Melvin Cartagena. Wepa, como esta, tipo? Hey. Bien, bien, buenas noches. Good night. Bonsoir for your French listeners. Oh, man, you, you, know, you know French too, kiddo? No, hold on. No, I know that, bonsoir. It's like, good night, but that's about all. All I know is, je m'appelle Olizon. Come and solve it to the two. Oh, actually, uh, je m'appelle Melvin. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, Melvin hey, Cartagena. Como tale vous? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Look at us, folks. So yeah, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm always happy when I get to talk to a fellow Boricua, you know, especially yes. in this creative market of comic books, because there's not many of us in this field, to be honest. Um, so I agree. Yes, I agree. So yeah. It, 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 I'm always very happy to speak to someone, one of my own and see how their journey is in this fantastic mm, uh, field. So, brother, it's called Comic Crusades Podcast for a reason, right? I need yes, I need that yes. comic book origin, kiddo. Talk to me. Tell, tell okay, us where, well, where you born at, where you from, what's popping. Okay, so I was born in New York in the Bronx, and you probably are familiar with that because a lot of Boricuas come from the Bronx. Like that seems yeah. for whatever reason, that's where all the Boricuas went okay. uh, back in the sixties and seventies. You're gonna kill but, you're killing me because um I was born in PR and my parents moved to New York when I was, you know, basically a newborn. And just as you said, for some odd reason, I was on Grand Concourse <laughs> in the Bronx and Tremont. <laughs> yes, yeah, for whatever reason, it was like that for us. I think it was in Hunts Point, I think, in our case, uh, the Bronx Hunts Point Avenue. But from very little, I went to, um, I grew up in Puerto Rico. And um, I'm trying to think of exactly how um, the particular thing for comics came about. Because growing up there, even though I had access to Marvel comics, you know, the typical stuff, Marvel, DC, I didn't then and still don't really care much for superheroes. And I think uh, the good thing about that is that it exposed me to a whole range of comics that I probably would not have if I had grown up here in the States. Like, for example, like, do you remember a comic uh, from Mexico actually called Caliman? Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. yes. Because as I was growing up in New York, right, um, and I loved my comics, of course. Uh, but my uncles and aunts, you know, older than me, they would have all the Spanish language comics. So here I'm discovering this whole other world. I'm like, what is this? I've never, this is not Marvel. This is not the secret head, though. I mean, it was like so cool. It was just coming from such a different place in terms of storytelling. Yes. Um, the and method, the art. distribution, the business, and like it was so. And now in the age that we live in now, like the fact that you and I are talking and we're though really far away from each other, distance is irrelevant. But when I was little, these things might have also been coming from another planet. There was something so odd and bizarre about this particular comic. There was a story arc. There were a number of story arc involving this character named Kaliman. He was um, Kaliman. like a mystic. He had been trained in how to control his mind. So that appealed to me. He always said, he who controls his mind controls everything. So I was a kid who was like shy, insecure, awkward. And to me, it was just awesome because he was so cool. Like, there was nothing he couldn't do if he just simply got a hold of his mind, like a hold of himself. But he would get into these bizarre adventures. This one that I've never forgotten where, like, um, he's in Rio de Janeiro. And he is attacked by these two um, people with dog heads. And he thinks it's a disguise because it's carnival. But it turns out it's like real dog heads on humans. And that unfolds into an adventure where he goes after this guy who's like a brilliant man, like a... Um, I would almost describe it like in the context of a DC, almost like a like a Doctor Doom type of guy. Okay. And that eventually leads with that confrontation. 
And there were others, arts, but I always remember that one because it was so bizarre, so awesome, so action-packed. And it kind of led me to look more for more of that. And then from that, it led to, let me see, it led to Fantomas, which is actually has its oh origins in French literature. Yes. But there was a comic, I remember it very well designed, like Fantomas, El, La Amenaza Elegante. You probably remember that, yeah. And there was something so ecstatic about that. It was this thing that just came from another planet, got dropped into the magazine stand. And it was so exciting. And then in time, as I grew up, I kind of took other interests because I'm also a big movie guy. But those kind of stayed with me. And as I got older, I was like, yeah, I'm a comic book guy, but I never really cared for superhero comics. The closest thing I care about DC or Marvel is Frank Miller when he was doing Daredevil. Okay. And then he did Ronan, and then he did The Dark Knight. Like, uh, what he did with that one was a really unique thing. It was unique, it was good, and then people want to blame him. Oh, you brought in the Dark Age, Frank. How dare you? No, he was paid to do an awesome story, and it's not his fault. He delivered, yeah. connected to it on that level, that now everything's dark. It's not Frank's fault. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of had its bad um, influence in that, you know, this is something he did in the 80s. But to this day, every Batman movie is still dark and depressed and like a suicidal, psychotic Batman. Like, so that's kind of the downside of that. No one's thought of going beyond that. But anyway, like, that's the only thing in regards to superheroes. Now, that is essentially it as far as comics. And I'm in fact discovering still, like a few years ago, I discovered, um, El Eternata, The Eternat, which is, um, uh, uh, Argentinian comic book about a uh, science fiction too, like science fiction. Uh, originating in Latin America. And to me, that was like nice. awesome. Right. And then I actually bought the Fantagraphics collected edition and it's quality. It's such a clever, so original, so inventive. And then there's the aspect in that it influenced culture. The main protagonist, the Eternata, he is like a sort of, uh, unbound from time. There was an alien invasion in Argentina. Him and neighbors just got together to read, to fight. And his character, like, he improvised this little radiation hazmat suit because there is a snow, like, an, uh, a sort of a poisonous snow that the aliens drop on Argentina that kills people. So he improvises this wetsuit, this sort of hazmat suit. And if you look graffiti of the Eternauta, you will see it, like, let's say in the favelas of Brazil, you'll see him. In, like, in France, in, like, Ukraine, you could probably look in Ukraine right now with the problems that they have it. You can somehow find you will find that symbol. And it's so fascinating to me that that symbol became, that character became a symbol of resistance against foreign invasion. It's become this, like, a mythological figure. And to me, that is awesome. To me, that was so cool. And the fact that it originates in a Latin American country, that was just, like you said, we don't, you don't really see much. You don't see really Latinos much. You're seeing that now in Marvel and DC, but it's, no, not really. I don't really care about superheroes. I don't particularly mean anything to me. Uh, you know, I, you say that, but I don't think Marvel and DC are even doing that right because when they try to represent us, um, they have this bad habit of let me put as much diversity in the character as I can. So mm, you know, overdoing um, it, yes, yes. Yeah, so you know, they're not only Latino; they this, that, and the other. Um, how about I would like to have a straight Latino character, uh, you know, an LGBTQ Latino character. Um, a black, you know, mixed character. Let, let's, but you know, not everyone is mixed. Not everyone is this. Not everyone is that. Like they're trying <clears> to <throat> put us in this box. I feel the the big two labels. And they need to stop that because uh, us as Latinos are way much more diverse than uh, most people than even think. I mean, look at Puerto Ricans for example. We're the most mixed people in the world. I think. You know what I mean? With Definitely. Native, yeah, there's a lot Native, that goes into Native and black. I mean, African. So you tell me. Yes, definitely. And um, now that you mentioned that, I guess I'm, I am glad that I actually did grow up in the island because if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have been exposed to the culture that shapes, you know, influences and shapes what I do because the United States, it's kind of lacking. It, it, there's a lot of entertainment, but it's also lacking a certain cultural foundation. Whereas uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, one thing that we did in school, like in grade school was once every few weeks, we went to the theater. We went to actually, they took us to a play, actually, to a play um, in one of the oldest theaters standing there, El Teatro La Perla, the Pearl Theater. And so I had, I was exposed to that. Um, they also had theaters where they show movies that were all over the place, like from, you know, from gr- straight up grindhouse exploitation type of movies to, you know, like an art house movie that maybe wasn't the same thing, but nevertheless, it had some effect on me. 
and again, there was the aspect of um, uh, of cosmopolitan, of like um, of foreign, this foreign exotic thing that came from some other dimension and into this place. Like I didn't understand distribution, all that. And now in, in our world, the world that we live in, that we're so connected, you sort of know that you usually have too much information before something comes out. If you spend any amount of time on Twitter, you know that like there's people already have an opinion about something. Oh, and you don't even know what the thing is about yet. Just you see, start seeing poster art and all that. So I love that aspect of it. And that still has stayed with me. That aspect of, um, of having a little bit of information, not knowing too much. Like, for example, I, I, at some point we get into my comic book, but at the same time, I'm like, how do I say without saying what it is about? You know, like I want you to go, you know, click on the link, download it, check it out. And if you don't like it, unsubscribe. But like, I don't want to uh, spoil it. And the thing is, there is a culture now where people want everything told ahead of time. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm guessing this is a, a byproduct of social media. Yes. But again, everybody like, everybody needs, the everybody needs a quick fix. They need that quick entertainment. They need their quick five minutes. It, it's, it's again, you know, it's because of the, these things. <laughs> right exactly. Yeah. Which is both, it's unfortunate, but it's also awesome. Like we live in a time where like you said, one of those devices on a few apps, there's virtually no limit to what you can do. Like, I, I love to watch um, people who do web series on YouTube, like sci-fi horror web series. Oh, there yeah. is some really clever, inventive stuff being done, again, just with phones, with devices, with little apps creating effects. Like, I love to see that because um, uh, when lockdown happened, I I got to see a movie just before lockdown happened, before, you know, movie theaters were closed and all that. And the thing is, I'm reflecting on now that you can go to movie theaters, again, it's relatively safe to go to movie theaters. I don't particularly miss the movie theater experience. I'm not particularly interested in movies, really. I don't really care for almost anything. That where are you on that? Like, what is your thing? I'm assuming you're also a movie guy. I, I love movies. When I was a, a young man in New York, you know, when movie theaters were still inexpensive, then yeah, every weekend and drop. You know, this is pre-internet days, so yeah, hey baby, you want to go see this movie that just came out? Sure. Nowadays, nah, I'm good. I don't want to go there. I, you know, it's not just the price point, but it's just, I don't know. The experience is just, we, we're getting delivered the same content on the same day on TV. So really, do I need to spend $20 on a ticket or can I just watch it at home and spend, you know, $30, for example, like Disney's charges sometimes. But guess what? I'm paying $30, but, you know, if I have 20 people in my house or 20 people could watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? you have the big screen TV, maybe have everybody bring food, bring different things, and, and you don't have to deal with that one. Bring some pernil, yeah. some you know, some good stuff. Coquito, coquito. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bro, I, if I drink coquito during a film, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I know, right? You'll be, uh, depending on who made it, right? Too much rum and not enough coconut milk. <laughs> oh, yo, well, my mom makes it. Let me tell you, uh, Melvin, you will not be walking a straight line. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, funny, I don't really drink, but I, I like sweet things. And I like coquito because it's sweet. It's like, a, depending on, again, who does it, it'll be like, it'll have a, like a nice sweet kick to it. So, um, but anyway, yeah, like, um, I feel the same. Like, I feel movies are not cinematic. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, movies are not, they're missing the cinematic element. Now, what cinema is, I cannot really define it. I can give you examples. Like, I could cinema you, is. I could tell you. I'm right sorry, now. go ahead. Yes. I could tell you right now. I just bought a 4K TV, right? And then <clears> my wife puts on a movie and like, okay, let's put it the way it's supposed to look here. Natural, you know, whatever. I cannot watch. I can't. But I saw a novela. It looks like a novela, a soap opera. And, yes, and, yes. And, and, it, it takes away what I feel is that cinematic filter that's in front. You know, that thing between the lens and the TV screen so that we could watch, that filter is gone. Exactly, so yeah. Watch, it, it feels too real. Like, I, I, okay. I saw Evil Dead on this, the original. Mm, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. I had to stop it halfway. I mean, this, this experience is ruining the movie for me. I think so. Yeah, there was some. It's also like there was a little bit of flaw, like the film look. You know, that's one thing that made the cinematic experience crucial, like the yes. film look, and yes. that's largely gone. Like, um, uh, it, it's really just a the like movies are film TV. It's a, it's film TV. Oh, it's really? like TV yeah. with more money, essentially. But going back to what I said, like, uh, okay, I cannot define cinema in in a in an academic way. But I can give examples. So Mad Max, that's cinema. The good, that. the bad, and the ugly, that is cinema. 
Love it. Like um, Pulp Fiction, that is cinema. Like Goodfellas, that is cinema. There is something, yes, there's something grand, something epic, something amazing, something like a punch that you cannot define it, but it's like a gut reaction. And that's largely gone from movies. So that I, and then there's also, like you said, the price point. And they even have something called selective pricing where like one theater might charge more for the same movie than another theater. So it's like, okay, like you said, now I'll just pay for the subscription and just watch it at home. And you're nice, like a um, lazy boy with like a pernil. You'll be there with fresh food in your underwear, watching a movie in your house that is in the movie theater. I mean, why wouldn't you want that comfort? Come on now. Yes, and you don't have to deal with that one asshole on his phone, even though it says no phones after the movie starts, like in giant letters and all that. Or screaming (laughs) at at, at the screen. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up, bro. Jesus. Yeah, like the YouTuber who's like, you know, just getting material for his review later on. I love it. Yeah, but anyway, those are the things. (laughs) Wait, what do you experience that you say? I experienced that with The Crow. When that movie came out back in the 90s. The oh, Crow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that in New York with my friends. And my friends decided to get Southern Comfort, buy a large soda, throw out most of the soda, and fill it up with the Southern Comfort. Let me Holy tell you, I, I had to leave. I said, like, yo, can you sit in the front? Either, oh, I'm hey, get leave. away from me. I don't know yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, like, shut up, bro. You're ruining the flip, bro. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Yeah, I never saw that movie in the theaters. I saw it later on, and it, it's it's okay. It's one of those situations where I think if Brendan Lee hadn't died, that movie might not have been as popular as it did. Like as I remember the the the, the marketing and all that, and essentially that was like the key marketing item, like Brendan Lee had dying on the set of on the set of the movie. But it's okay. I mean, like I appreciate again. I appreciate the fact that it's a movie from the nineties. Now it was made on film. It had models. It, it was just a way of making movies that is almost gone now. Yeah. And by extension, something is also missing. It's too easy, I guess, to make movies now, unfortunately. I know. Again, you know, I hate the commercials. Oh, all you need is an iPhone. No, you don't. Stop it. I know some people do good work, but now nah, you need better equipment than that, yo, for real. Stop. And just skill, too. Like, um, you know, like, I don't want to get into political and all that, but <laughs> the whole thing about, like, the current situation with, you know, SJWs and woke is that all they're doing is, like, you know, swapping genders and then patting themselves on the back for having done something amazing. I'm like, I'm not saying that's wrong. Like, that's important. That's vital. But you got to do more than that. You still have to tell a story. You still have to do something. Just to simply say Ghostbusters with women. I'm like, and so? Like, what about it? That's what Tommy Farland got in trouble for recently. You know, and that's the perfect example when you brought that out, when he made a comment. Like, what is the reason I, I don't do an all-girl uh, run of toys? Because Oh, you know, yes, yes. I saw. I remember that. He's been in the business for over 30 years. So he's telling you, you know, this is not going to sell as well as maybe a mixed line like he does. Mm. You know what I, mean? he said I remember that, 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 yes. People went crazy. And, and, and now that you say Ghostbusters, somebody put up a great video. They said, well, look at the last ghost, that, that all-female centric Ghostbusters film. Do you know that the toys were on sale for 50% off even before the movie dropped because nobody was buying them? So doesn't that kind of prove it from his point? Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. I, I didn't see the actual interview, but I remember the aftermath. There's a channel that I follow where they cover that. They cover that sort of like a geeky um scene like that. And as usual, people were losing their mind. But the thing is, um, the host of the channel was quoting someone from BuzzFeed talking about how, like, why don't you create a line of so and so? And in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't you do that? If you're so sure that there is a line, why don't you create your own? Like this, to me, that's like the beginning of a great American success story. Like you see yeah. a need in the marketplace for something, you go out and create it. And then you like, they're ripping apart Todd McFarlane, who's like incredibly successful. He's been phenomenally successful. And to tell him what the marketplace is, like, it's funny. We're having this discussion. Meanwhile, Todd McFarlane, he probably doesn't even know about any of this. He's probably just busy, just running his company. He like now. He's going to be making his toys, his awesome comics, and that's what it is because, again, he's been in the business. He said what he said. He understands the model. And, you know, again, mm-hmm. it's what it is. I mean, it, it's crazy, but, hey, it's what it is. I mean, it's, it's true. Exactly, I mean, yeah. Even when it comes to even colored toys, for example. Like, look, look at Star Wars. If you go to look for Star Wars figures, why is Lando always there but no other figure is? 
Exactly. Yeah, people I mean, like him because he's he's cool. He's a cool cat. <laughs> cool, but yeah, but people ain't buying some stuff though because of whatever it is. You know, overproduction. I mean, you know, give people what they want. Um, give us what we want. And if people think that hey, this will work, instead of telling like you said a company to do this, how about you prove the model, you do this, and you tell me how it works out for you. Exactly. It's like no, that will require effort. That will require long term planning, <laughs> discipline, doing things that. Much easier to just rip someone apart on BuzzFeed. Like, oh, yeah, that'll take care of everything. And, and, and see, yes. and thank you. that's what I want to get into because you are definitely somebody that's busy. You do stuff, man. You write. You photograph. You got an awesome comic called The Plot. Hmm. Oh, All right. yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you. Look at that. I love you know, to see so, stuff like that. Yeah, so before we get into The Plot, I see that this is some, something called Robo Pulp. What's Robo Pulp? Okay, so RoboPulp essentially is my Twitter handle and my um, Facebook, but where RoboPulp came from is sort of my sensibilities. The Robo part comes from science fiction. That's my favorite genre. Since I was little, I've always liked um, stories that are idea-driven. And science fiction, typically the idea is kind of like the, the, the engine, the, the leading engine. So science fiction and pulp from Pulp Fiction, not necessarily Quentin Tarantino Pulp Fiction, but... In pulp, as in the pulps, you know, like the, that classic yeah, uh, storytelling. Comics from back in the day. And yes, yeah, like Black Mass, Argus, the, all these, um, this very rough, like printed on very rough paper that was made in the 30s and 40s. And that's where Raymond Chandler first started publishing his short stories before he did the, the Philip Marlowe novels. That's where Dashiell Hammett did the Continental Up stories before he did Red Harvest and The Thin Man and The Maltese wow. Falcon. And a number of other people, like, um, I think Mickey Spillane kind of missed that by a few years. But then in the 50s, he came out with Mike Hammer. It's, it's that sensibility, like, um, that attitude, that sensibility that comes from that era when America was more free, more wild, I guess you could say. Yeah. So it's those two, um, um, those two things make Robocop, which is kind of what this is. It's like, uh, the plot. The plot is a, uh, a construct. It takes, let's say, it rehashes old stories that you've probably seen a million times, but it takes like um what I call cultural debris from America. Like let's say, without getting too spoilery, it uses Men in Black, not Men in Black, the the Will Smith movie, <laughs> but Men in Black as originally conceived. You know the Men in Black, these people who are supposed to be telling people, "Hey, don't be talking about aliens, or we're gonna do stuff to you." Like those, because in the original form to me they were terrifying like they sound like the scariest thing ever so there is men in black there there is the i guess the time that we live in now where we cannot know that our phones are listening on what we say but we cannot also take it for granted and just accept it there is a little bit of that and then i am a huge fan of um espionage and cold war uh, movies and novels and one trope that it's been uh, debunked now, it's not really true, but when I was a kid, anything involving like the sleeper agent, this person who had been trained, let's say in, in the Soviet Union to, you know, to be a spy and then is sent to America and they live a normal life for years and whatever until one day they get a phone call and someone says a password and all of a sudden the, the agent is activated. I love that. Like I, I thought that was so and at the same time, so terrifying that someone can take all of your mind and just control you that way. Cool, right? So I took all these elements, which I consider cultural debris, because it's sort of like um, you typically would see it again in Pulp Fiction, in like a, a like cheap crime novels, like a, those dime a dozen crime novels. Like um, you would see it in like a exploitation in Grindhouse. Like a, it would lead to like sex and other things, but like it, it would start with like a spy. Like, I love all that stuff, and I just combine all that stuff into this book, into a thriller, into, I guess you could call it a paranoid thriller. Excellent. <laughs> so, how long is the story here that we have for the plot? The story is uh, 125 pages uh, split into three parts. Oh, wow. So how does it get yes. released? What, what's the plan of action with releasing and accessibility for us as fans? Okay, so for now, I created the Gumroad link that you're showing, and... Essentially, I'm giving it away as a subscription, like, you know, join, you know, download the book, leave your email, download the book, and just kind of, I'll be dropping news every so often about stuff we're doing, because the, 
Uh, there will be more comics in the future, but it's not exclusively comics. There is also um, other media, because I'm not a cartoonist per se. I don't consider myself a cartoonist. I consider myself more a writer who happens to make comics. I am more into storytelling in all its forms. Like, I'm, I'm a movie guy like I, like you. I'm also a big fan of audio theater, audio drama theater. That's something that kind of went away in the 70s, 80s, 90s, but now it's coming back. Now there are people who are doing it. I'm, you know, they create their own stuff and they post it on, on the internet. And I found some really clever, inventive stuff that people are doing just on their own. So I'm like, okay, I want to try that because now the means to do it are really there. Like, awesome. it's not that expensive to buy the gear to do it. You can reach out through Twitter to other people. And in fact, I did do something like that, but uh, again, I, I am not going to uh, release that just yet. Like, I'm going to just... What a this is the gateway. The comic book is the gateway. And um, But I will share that more with you off camera. When we talk more, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about He's that. He's teasing us, folks. He's teasing us, man. He's yes, yes. Us. So that's the idea. Like, um, the comic book is the gateway to something, to a, a, a like a whole universe called Flat Town. It's like a town, a city that is modeled you after the original one? X-Files. This that one, is- yes, yeah. <laughs> that one right there. It's like, that's actually Lowell. That's where I live. But I am modeling it. A little bit after the original X Files, like uh, the, I, I love that show, like uh, and I like the concept of that, and I feel like even though they rebooted that show, it's on again. I feel like it's just not the same anymore. Like uh, the original was something of its time, yeah. so I'm taking that premise, and what happens in the plot is going to spin up into other issue, into other uh, incidents that happen in Flat Town, and that'll be different. That'll be audio drama. That'll be other comics. That'll be web series. That'll be other things. So I don't want to say much more about that, but like I said, the comic book is the gateway. So get the plot, and you'll be a privy to that. You'll be you'll have insider knowledge of what comes next. Oh, 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 oh! And I know Lowell being from from Mass, so yeah, check that out. Oh my God, folks, look at this, look at this. So you could follow them there in Instagram, Adventures in uh, Flat Town. Uh, oh man, you got YouTube too, the Flat Town Chronicles. Yes, yes. Um, I should uh, warn the people. There is nothing on YouTube yet, but eventually that's coming. That there, there's more in the works. But um, same with Instagram. There's really nothing there at the moment, but there is. You know, stuff is coming. So yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't. I, how do I say without saying too much? You know, like uh, I want to keep you in suspense. I, it, this is for people who like that. Who like that little scavenger hunt aspect of things. Well, I guess I'm da- we're dating ourselves, but we come from a time when you have to look for entertainment. Like you have to go out of your way to find it. Yeah, like everything literally is is here for you. So you and me both, brother. I feel that because I was a kid, you know, teenager in Brooklyn, having to ride my bicycle to go pick up a comic book. There's nothing else to do, or take a walk to the local video store to rent a cassette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh wow, that was the worst. Remember when you go to the video store a week long? You know, like your parents would. Your parents would take you on the weekend because it was too far away or whatever. And all week long, you're so excited about this particular movie. And you go to the video store and it was gone like everybody would rent it. I would get so mad. I'm like, damn, can you put it on? I remember. Let me know when it's there. I'll come. I used to give them the house number. And my mom used to be like, why is the the video lady calling us? Calling you. Yeah, yeah. I remember that, yeah, I would get so mad that, like, even though I was at the store and I could take something else, I'd be like, nah, nah, let's just go home. Like, I didn't want to, I've been so focused on that one movie that I just, I, I don't want anything. Never mind. I'll just read comics or read books or anything else. Yeah. I was so, But we're in a time now where, like, yeah. it's every, if it's not on YouTube, it's on Tubi. Tubi is fantastic, by the way. I'm not affiliated with Pluto. Tubi, but. I love Pluto. I'm, Pluto TV? Oh, Pluto, yeah, Pluto also, Pluto. And someone recently introduced me to something called Canopy with a K. And you can join with a library card. It's like documentaries oh, and movies. Right? So it, it's leading a little more. Yeah, I'll send you a link to that uh, if you're interested in that. Yes, yes, I love documentary. My wife thinks I'm a geek. Because even before, uh, when I finished work and I had that momentary break, I'm watching, you know, some documentary stuff. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell from all the stuff in the background that you're a geek, from all the stuff behind you? <laughs> she knows I'm a geek, but not documentary geek. Cause she's like, "Oh my god, they sound so boring." I'm like, "Boring? Are you not listening to what they're saying, yo?" I know, like you're so compelled. You're so like, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm like that too. Like a bizarre subject. Like I said, like um, Men in Black or like any documentaries with aliens. I'm like captivated. Bro, like I find that so fascinating. Tell me that you are on Gaia TV, G A I A, and like that. I am not on Gaia, but oh. I, I catch shorts. Bro. Short pieces of Gaia. 
You Gaia. were talking about the men in black, and, and they have this whole episode about this. You know, like them doing the circles and the Rosetta Stone, and how government mm. is like, yo, um, you shouldn't be doing this. I mean, government telling you you shouldn't be doing something. I mean, it's just, pretty scary, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? Why? I want to do it more now. You, you're talking to the wrong one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that just makes you more curious. Makes you dig even further. You be yeah. like, espera, espera, está un marciano aquí, espera. Let me call, <laughs> let, me, let, let me call John Jones or, or, or the Martian man, you know, Martian man, or what's his name? Um, the other cat, um, from the Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> oh, so Dan Aykroyd is a big believer in that. Actually, Dan Aykroyd really believes in that stuff. But he was a conehead, wasn't he? He was eating sandwiches in one. Yeah, place. well, he was in the Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters movie. But the thing is, he believes in that. He believes in supernatural phenomena like paranormal, like Men in Black. He believes in that stuff. He is very. He's a deep. He's a serious believer in that. Are, stuff. We, are yeah. we gonna? Are we gonna get that stuff from you? Because you know, you know, as Puerto Ricans are all into all that type, we believe in things like that. You know, as an yeah. island. Do you, as an individual? Um, yes and no, I guess. I, I know it sounds like an evasive answer. Like, um, on one hand, I like the idea of, like, something, some other life outside of here, some other form of life. But I don't know. It's a little, I don't know if it's, like, these little green beings with the giant heads and the big eyes. I don't know if it's that. <laughs> I don't know if it's that particular thing. But I like the idea. I like to think that there is something else, something beyond. And that maybe they will contact us because of all the stuff that people do here on planet Earth, you know. See, see, <laughs> I believe that, that that we can't be ignorant to believe we're alone in this huge universe. But yes, I also yes, don't think that they're going to be they're not going to be traveling here. I do feel that you know, just like technology, maybe they could contact us through radio waves and shit like that. But I mean, yes, see, yeah. but they're going to really make a ship to travel all the way here just to observe, bro. If I'm t if I'm making a ship to go to a planet, I'm taking it over. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, it'll be like Independence Day, yeah. my White House. Man, I wish Trump was in there. But I, I wanted to ask you, now you're talking about aliens and all that. Do you remember, like, um, I want to say late 80s, early 90s, for whatever reason, in Puerto Rico, there were a lot of sightings over uh, Yunque, the, the, the forest, you know, the tropical forest. Yeah, for whatever reason, uh, again, my fascination with that is it's always certain cultural landmarks that they always choose to do that. It, yeah. and, so, and that's my fascination. So, okay, why this particular place? Like, why not any place else? It seems to me that if you wanted to look at people without being humans, without being noticed, you go to small towns, you go to little yeah. places. You don't go to Manhattan. You don't go to like a, a densely tropic, hey, dense tropical forest. You don't go to a building and stay there for a minute. Huh? Right. Yeah. Like, I know. So there's always that fascination with why, why is this? Like, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But this is why I call it a cultural debris because it's something that just hangs out and it comes from some sort of collective conscious in people. There is something, maybe there's a yearning for something, but most people don't admit it. So maybe you come up with these beings that maybe they want to take you away to their planet and you won't be like lonely anymore or sad or whatever. Like maybe I'm going someplace silly with it, but that's kind of what I think about. Like maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what these things are. Semioticos, I think there's a name for that. Well, you know, that, that means that people are trying to manifest aliens, so let them get manifested, because right now, with the way that the world is, maybe that's what we need to unite humanity. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Maybe, like, humans can't do it, and they'll have to do it then, I guess, so we can stop uh, destroying the planet and other yeah. each other, you know, ourselves, you know, yeah, given man. with certain things happening in the world right now. Absolutely, man. Can't we just get along like that homie said? Yo, come on, people. I mean, let's totally. just buy comics like The Plot. You know, like the things he's been teasing <laughs> us with. I mean, Mel, bro, you you are a tease for sure. So, uh, before we um, go, I, I wanna... uh -huh. dale, dale, dale. I'm sorry. Dale, dale. No, no, I was gonna say, um, what, what are your thoughts on it? I, I don't know if you've read it or not yet, but I, if you have, like, what are your thoughts on that? I'm trying to get in, a feedback, both you know, to get better for the next one, and also because the feedback that I'm getting is fascinating. Like, um, it's interesting. It's got me thinking. Okay, what should I do next? Because, um. A few people, like a, a tiny group of people, are saying that they reminds them a little bit of video games. And I'm not a gamer. I'm not like a gamer, but I I do like like um the 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 idea of games. Like I like how some games are very sophisticated now. Like um the Silent Hill, which is like a mystery of sorts, like a horror mystery. Yeah. Uh, Alan Wake, which is like a, a mystery. You know, like this writer goes to the countryside, his wife is missing, 
and to find her at night he has all these confrontations then he gets close to keep going like um but i'm not a gamer but i love the concept of games so i wonder okay so there some people think of it as games and then maybe it's due to are, the story flow that's why how the story flows because with games you know nowadays you know it takes hours to complete a game and each game mm. has hours of storytelling and and it's it's a progressive story so you know you 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 get a piece of the narrative then you then you into the action right finally mm. physical then you get back to the narrative i mean my wife is watching me play games she's like why does this feel like a movie I'm yes like, that's what I mean, they feel the cinematic yeah the, the cinema that is missing in movies is actually on video games they that we I, we figured it out we sold it we sold it yeah, exactly <laughs> we sold the mystery yeah and, and you're doing that through the plot too now in the comic book form you know through your own way you, you're building story this is what people want we don't want everything given to us in five minutes off here's the story okay now I know where this is going no I need to be kept on the edge of my seat until I get the next issue and then at the end of that I also want to say what the F is going on because for me that's how I kind of felt for example with the early Walking Deads when they were coming out from oh, Image, okay. I would get connected with the characters a couple issues later oh shit it killed them what the hell and I would feel <laughs> so you know you give me all this and then no one is safe that that to me is what makes a great comic you don't know what to exactly do. yes And, and and that's a testament to the creator like yourself. You know, you keep giving us these twists and turns, you know? And, and that goes yeah. to your fandom then. And I also want to mention something. Because you mentioned all those awesome Latino comic books. But there was another comic book, a Spanish comic book, Spanish language one, that my family always seemed to have around. Capulina. <laughs> you remember Capulina? Oh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I never knew the comic book, but I knew the show. I knew the, the oh TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the, the theme song, like, a, the, and the guy, like, the sort of stocky guy, like, it, it was, I wasn't that into it, but I, it's funny because I always assume that it was a TV show. I'm guessing maybe it was that, and then the comics came later, it, or? The comics came later. It was all part of it. And, and folks, if you don't know who Capulina <clears throat> is, it's basically like a, uh, a Latin American Benny Hill, like like similar. Yes, to yeah, there you oh, go. Jorge yeah, like kind of zany, naughty. Yeah, Jorge Porcel type, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny you mentioned that now because if I can go back to Kaliman briefly, I always assumed Kaliman was a comic because that's what I knew. But very recently, I started. I, it sort of popped up again. It's funny how it just came into my life suddenly, and I started actually collecting the actual issues oh, and looking okay. into it. I found out that actually Kelly Mann was actually an audio drama originally created in Mexico no, that no, became no. so popular. It became like, a, it literally it was being, um, what is the word? I want to say uh, it's serialized, but I'm, it basically, it got played in other countries. In other countries it, got in Mexico, syndicated. Well. it got syndicated. Syndicated, yeah, as an audio drama. And right. then they started, um, okay, where can we go further with this? So it became a comic book. And as a comic book, it also got distributed all across Latin America. And it became so big that I guess like people in Latin America shared it with their family in North America that eventually it started going into other markets. It was so massive. It was such a huge hit Ooh. that it, it literally became, oh, maybe it's a global phenomenon. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if it made it all the way to Europe or to Canada. So are you telling Asia. me, so if somebody came up to you right now and said, yeah, do you want to do a story on that character? Would you jump on it? Ah, uh, yes, I would. Yeah, that would be fantastic. You know, it's funny, you um, talking about that, like, uh, going through eBay, looking for other issues. Um, the whole copyright issue, like, um, I, I like how it, it happens everywhere, not just in, we are familiar with here in North America, but going through eBay, I found three issues where Galiman fights Galactus, What? Dr. Doom, Galactus, I'm going to send you a link to that because you might want to buy them. In the cover, you see Galiman, like, kind of facing off against Galactus, like a giant Galactus. Then there's another issue where he's facing Dr. Doom. And then there's a third issue where he's facing like a whole bunch of Ben's, you know, Ben Grimm from the Fantastic no Four. Yeah. I am going to send you the link, man. You're going to lose your mind. You might want to <laughs> buy them. I don't know. But like, I love the fact that someone in Mexico did that. And they're like, fuck it. We're going to do it. You know, like they never thought that it will go beyond Mexico. They didn't oh, think of decades later, somebody would put, put that on eBay or some other place to right. sell it. And all of a sudden, Marvel's like, wait a minute. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe they licensed it because Marvel did do that. Marvel actually for a while they licensed Spider-Man to Japan, 
and there is a Japanese Spider-Man, but I think that yeah. that was, you know, legal. Like Japan paid for the character and then oh, yeah. they yeah. actually created their own little, they kind of tweaked yeah. it a little bit, but like it's yeah. a Japanese Spider-Man essentially. Yeah. The Japanese Spider-Man is basically the grandparent of all of those, you know, big robot, you know, people as pilot shows. That was oh, like a, like an Ultraman and yeah, like an Ultraman, like a Power Rangers. That Spider-Man show was the first of its kind where they had a human, you know, pilot a giant robot, if you will. Oh wow, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, listen, when I found that out, I'm like, really? That was that's the granddaddy of them all. It's amazing. It was an American character. <laughs> yeah, and I seen that. I mean. Not for nothing. I mean, Jesus Christ, definitely a product <laughs> of his time. But um, but but I appreciate what they did and, and what came from it. You know, when I was little, I loved that stuff. I was big into Ultraman and Mazinga or Messenger. In Puerto Rico, it was Messenger. Messenger. Yes, bro. That is my first experience. In I think it was my first experience with manga. Also, Massinger, Massinger, Massinger. I, I think Zeta. it's Mazinga, but Messenger, Messenger. Seta. Mazinga Zeta, or, uh, yes, yeah, that was, that might have been my first experience with manga, I remember watching that, I'm like, what the hell am I watching, what is this? Bro, I had the two foot tall plastic toy from back in the day that would shoot the hand. The one that shot the, yes, yes, <laughs> totally, man, you hear me, bro, man. Yeah, <laughs> the camera. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yo, isn't that awesome, yeah, yeah, look, I have a little one, I put it away, because one day I was showing it off, and the hand flew off, I just found it. Oh, no kidding. Day. Yes, I said, oh shit, there goes the hand, now I gotta go find it. It's the fist, yeah. I was gonna say, I noticed, is that Voltron in the background? Yes, it is. I got oh, wow, I didn't even recognize Voltron. That was my, probably my second experience. I got that. Oh, you got the big one too, though, right? Yeah, you got the giant one. I got also. the OG and then this model. Oh, yes, yes. I actually, I had that one. I had that, the yeah, little well, one, this yeah. This is the original, for sure. This is my baby, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Look at this, this is my original. Look at this kid over <laughs> That is beautiful, yeah. That that is such an awesome thing, yeah. Yeah. Again, this is something that I am glad that I grew up in Puerto Rico because in America it took a while for manga and anime to reach. It's only really like in the nineties that it started to kind of get into yeah. get into America because the films, like films like Fist of the North Star, Ninja Scroll, Violence Jack. I mean, when those movies, because again, me, I can't get into anime shows. But you give me, me either, anime, yeah. you give me an anime movie, where I'm in there, like like in it, Ninja Scroll, Violence Jack, like I said, Fist of North Star, Orusuku Doji, so many great films from Akira. I mean, yes, I'm, that I'm, was my first viewing in movie, like Akira, and I remember the same thing. I was like, what the hell am I watching? And it was so cool, like it, 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 being exposed to a culture in that way. And now that it's like a like the biggest thing in entertainment right now. Like um, one of the channels that I watch on YouTube, they were mentioning how. One manga title alone outsold all of DC's content, everything in terms of magazines, because um, it's just so bizarre and like there's variety too. There's like options. You have yeah. everything mad, all across the spectrum. It's mad variety, you know. It's not they don't just market towards males, you know. It's a very female dominant, you know. Yes. Readership on that, and then the the fact that you know females can walk into a bookstore and buy it, not have to go to a comic shop. Because most comic shops don't even carry manga either, you know, sadly. No. Very few big shops. Like in Midtown, when I lived in New York, I know they carry it, you know, and the Jim Hanley's. But you go to a local mom and pop, I mean, very hard to find unless you put that on pre-order. So, you know, I, it's also the accessibility to it. So, you know, you could go to a bigger bookstore and find manga or graphic novels. Yes. You know, which is what's destroying the regular property nowadays. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, now that you talk about that, I remember there's a Barnes & Noble in Nashua, New Hampshire, which is not very far from me. I've been going to that place for years. And from like, I want to say the mid-2000s to now, I remember going there and noticing when I looked through the comic section, noticing how the manga section kept getting bigger and bigger <laughs> to the point that now it's like a, an entire segment now takes up manga. Like the, the, the American comics just kept getting pushed and pushed. And it's like one one set of shelves. And, like, everything else around it, it's manga now. Like, manga has literally now pushed that into it. Well, so it's the, it's the, I think, the freedom of creativity that those um, creators are allowed. As yes, yeah, like, there's no issues with violence, for example. Like, manga tends to be very graphically violent. And for whatever reason, America's, I can fantasize about that. Like, uh, again, growing up in Puerto Rico, like, 
nobody really like watched me. I I was free to watch. My mom was okay with me watching anything as long as I was not on, on the streets, you know, where like drug dealers and things like that. She didn't well, care. So I watched whatever, you know, like I I watched anything, like Grindhouse, v, VHS, exploitation. It didn't really matter. And she was okay with that. She didn't particularly care. So but in here, there's always this need to like police everything. And like, um, because of that, you censor entertainment. Well, people are going to go look for something else. And manga tends to be very unrestrained. It's kind of pervy also, but I find that fascinating too. Like the fact that they sort of don't hide their, their sexual perversions. They put that right up on the manga also on the, on, on the anime. I find that so good. It's even like porno, like more like yeah. Yeah, that porno manga. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, just in that, I'm saying people like it. There's people out there who want that. So they're giving it. They're it yeah. because someone out there, they will pay for it. That's the hentai stuff. I mean, yeah, it's a market for it. And, and I think another thing <laughs> that, exactly. and I mean, and, and what also helps that is that, you know, when you have a creative team on a manga book, I mean, that creative team is like basically the team for life. Mm-hmm. As opposed to an American comic book where every four, five, six issues, the team is changing. So the narrative, changes, not changing, yeah. the art changes. So, I mean, you know, doesn't that do damage? You know, in in the long run, to to a run. I imagine it. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm thinking of like a, the you say how like the team changes, and often these changes happen not necessarily. There's are there's artistic disagreements, but I think there's also business disagreements. Like maybe the title is doing well, so naturally they want more money, and then they say, "Well, we really can't." Then okay, so I'm done. Then like I'm gonna stop doing it. So in desperation, they bring someone in who's willing to do it for the same amount of money or even less money. And, you know, the quality is going to go downhill then, you know, because you got people who probably know that they're just covering for someone who had the thing like selling consistently and they're, re- or maybe they'll, maybe it'll be different. Maybe they'll use that as an opportunity to set their, make, raise their brand to like, get their name out there. But it, it's iffy. It goes either way. And there's also the fact that I guess a lot of artists are realizing too that if they just simply do a little bit of the work, they use platforms like Twitter, they can actually make more money and keep keep control of their own their character. Gotcha. So is that something you really do? I mean, uh, how do you as an independent creator promote your product and put yourself in front of people? Okay, so this is an this is a whole aspect for me now because uh, up until I put this out there. I never paid attention to the, you know, to how important that is to like marketing, to like, you know, branding yourself. And I honestly can't really answer the question because I'm learning right now. I'm literally, this is right now what I'm doing. This is a, an experience. I'm, I'm sorry, say that again. You're still a student of, of the marketing game. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, I avoided all this. I guess briefly to tell you in 2019, the whole of 2019, I decided I had some mini comics, like, you know, short comic book essay type, uh, essays in comic book from some short stories. I decided, you know, like Boston Comic Con was going to happen. So I was like, you know, I'm going to get a table. I'm going to do it just to hell with it. Like, I'm doing it. So I go do it. I find out that it's kind of expensive to get a table at a Comic Con. The electricity and all that costs money. I, You know, the cost of printing these out. But it's exciting. It's something I've never done before. And to me, that's always been like the, the dream, like the rock star. When I saw like guys working the table, you know, signing books, to me, that's like, I want to be that guy. Like, I want to live that dream. Like, so I do it. And literally a Friday happens Friday, you know, the first day of the event happens. I sold nothing. Like I'm like, like nothing, literally nothing. Almost no one stopped at the table. And then I'm like, well, it's the first day. It'll get better. It'll get better. Saturday happens again. Nothing like a long day of nothing happening, nothing at all. And I'm like, well, it'll get better tomorrow. It's got to get better. (laughs) Sunday happens. And again, nothing, literally the whole weekend goes by nothing. I didn't sell anything. Oh, wow. And I was bummed out about that. But, like, later on, like, you know, when as the fall came and winter came, I was thinking about that. And I realized, like, you know, I didn't really tell anybody that I was going to be there. And I kind of also didn't want to tell anybody because I was afraid of, like, kind of, like, I was a little, like, insecure about, like, the whole thing Uh, of being there. Like, I I had nerves about the whole thing. And as much as it sucks, that incident kind of got my head straight because I realized I need to be more scientific about this. I need to kind of, like, start understanding the business side of things. I kind of wanted to stay in a little bubble, do things and not deal with that, that side of things. And I like, no, I need to, like, I need to get involved in this. And I, I hadn't yet made a comic, like a book link and I made short pieces, but I hadn't yet done something book length. So those were two things that I wanted to tackle. Like, how can I, you know, make them happen together? So 2020 begins, um, COVID spreads like wildfire, lockdown happens. 
And I started looking at videos by Gary V. Like he was kind of like my, when I thought of like marketing and then trying to connect that to comics, it's not the same thing, but I said, well, I don't know anything else. Let me just look at Gary V and then kind of reverse engineer what he yeah. does. I look at his videos and a lot of what he says makes sense. But again, like I cannot tie what he does, which is just, you know, branding and marketing and other stuff for products to something that's more uh, artsy, some, you know, yeah. an art form, an entertainment thing. But what happens is Gary D led me to Seth Godin and he came up with something really clever. He um, did something. Talk, he talked about the smallest viable market. He said, okay. get more specific about yourself. And then from there, who is this for? You know, the thing that you made, who is it for? So I start watching his, consuming his videos over and over, just getting that into my head as I'm, you know, working on putting together this comic book. And from there, I was like, okay, so the first episode, I, I have a Twitter. Let me start with Twitter. Let me start just posting pages of what I'm doing and looking at other people who do that. Like, there is a comic book artist that I'm a big fan of. Have you ever heard of Matt Kine? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I'm a big fan because he his stuff is kind of right up my alley. It's like science fiction, secret agents, um, suspense and the intrigue. So I started studying what he did, you know, and I noticed how he like he'll share posters and all that. He'll share like works in progress. So I kind of started doing that and it's not quite taken off. But from then to now, uh, I now I have the actual book. Part of it is that I didn't have the book. I didn't understand Twitter. I had to kind of study the platform yeah. better. And it, that's kind of what I've been doing like that. The fanship is growing. I, I know it's working because it led me to you. Like it led to other people like you. Awesome. It's like, okay, I'm, this feels much better now. Like actually I, I'm in a better place now. Like I had to get out of my own way first. I had to just sort of come to terms with like, no, you need to be out there. You need to put yes. yourself out there. To I'm quote here. Seth Godin, he has this expression called being on the hook. And I realized when I did that back in the fall of 2019, I didn't want to be on the hook. I did it, but I didn't fully commit myself to it. Now I'm like fully committed to it. Like, okay, I made this book. Who was into comics? Like I, I use Twitter. Now Twitter has a search engine. I use Twitter and it's led to people like you, which is just really fun. Like even if I don't sell any comic, well, I'm not selling the comic, but even if no one downloads it, I love the fact that we've just been sitting here talking and just having this conversation. Yeah. yeah and hopefully we'll have more conversations like this. Yes, we definitely will, Melvin, because that's the awesome part about this. I mean, it's not just about the creations that you make as a creator, but getting to know the creator. See how cool Melvin yes. is, yo. I mean, he's a fan. <laughs> thank, you, thank you, thank you. He's a fan. He's committed. I mean, but he's also a creator and a person that, you know, understands how important self-improvement is and always learning. So I like everything you've been saying. That's awesome. Like, yo, I don't understand Twitter. Let me learn. Let, let, let me emulate. That's awesome because that's what I tell people sometimes. Don't hate, emulate because hate is the most jealous, right? How about stop hating and just, you know, do what they do? Then maybe you could, you know, be better than them. You never know. And that you have access to it. Like you have these platforms, you have access to like just anybody and just start reaching out to people. And not everybody will answer. Some people are busy, but keep trying. There's millions and millions of people just on Twitter alone. There's billions on Facebook. Just reach out to people. Just, you know, get over that. Don't be afraid to say, uh, you know, I'm so-and-so. I, I'm looking to learn about this. Um, some people say, oh, well, sorry, I can't. I'm busy right now. Oh, look, okay. is there someone that you know that would have the time to talk to me and maybe go over these things a little with me? So just like that, just don't be afraid to do that. There's people who are actually want to share what they know, who are eager to oh, do yeah. that. But, you know, make the first step, you know, create, make that bridge, create that bridge, you know, reach out to them. And let me say something. You mentioned about the tabling the experience you had. All I tell you is that you need me there because I'm loud. I've tabled. Before. I was going to say, yeah, I was a little intimidated by you when I first started talking to you. It's like, holy shit. Like, it's like a hundred percent volume. Out of no, bro. It's all energy and love. And I've tabled before. And basically I stand in front of that table and I am bringing people. Check this out. Look at this. Well, you know what? Uh, I am going to do. <laughs> I'm going to be asking, you're going to be my consultant now. I'm going to be consulting with you yeah. as I go further into this, you know, how to get well, the brand out there. Yeah. If you ever do a convention here in Florida, just let me know, kiddo. You, I'll, I'll be a megaphone for you. Don't you worry. Oh, man. Thank you so much. You know, no, I, yeah, you're a megaphone anywhere, man. We could drop <laughs> you in Japan and you'll be like, people will be, ooh, ooh that Bro, person. Yo, you're not lying. I did Megacon last year. Shout out to my boy from GeekFest, FilmFest, that we were, you know, we did a share table. We were doing a giveaway. And there was mm. a char- charity doing a giveaway. They had a person dressed like <laughs> Captain America with a megaphone, right? 
would you believe that even though that person had a megaphone, I was still three times louder than them? That my wow. neighbor, my neighbor was like, wow, it's true that Latinos have a big mouth. And second, I think Captain America is going to throw the shield at you because anytime you talk, he tries to beat you, but he can't. He's looking at you. I like to yeah, sure, my back. Yeah. I, I can't beat Captain America by myself now. Come on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's awesome. But that's what I mean. Like, uh, I admire people when I was a kid because I've always been more on the shy, quiet, introverted side. So I admire people who are like you who just speak up, who just, they say yeah. things, you know? You know, I was shy. Up. I was very shy. So. No kidding. My legal name, when this camera's off and I go back to my legal name, Alex Perez, I, I'm, I'm quiet. I'm cool. Just, you know. Once this is on, and I'm talking to people like you, it's it's mega time, baby. <laughs> getting into character, yeah, getting into character. And not yeah. even the That's cast, awesome. it's the energy, because people like you inspire me and motivate me. Okay, you, 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 again, you have this journey where you continue to educate yourself, you know, and become a better version, and you're telling people, reach out, I'll talk to you, let's get it done. See, that's the right mm-hmm. attitude to have in this business, man. And, and, and that, all I see is you going to have a whole bunch of success in this bro because you got an awesome product oh, wow. thank you so much man. you have a great vision and don't you worry the next con just trust me what i'm telling you stand up in front of that table holding your book like this and be like yo have you seen this come over here for a minute that's all you gotta do bro get out that shell bro get out that shell <laughs> come on thank you so much i know that's awesome no but it's the energy too like i said i love like you know how conversation people who are passionate about stuff people who are just they love it they love it and they immerse themselves into it like you like you love this stuff and like we connect it and it's awesome just love these conversations well this is what it is yo i mean i appreciate all types of creators because if it wasn't for creators i probably would have been nuts by now because it's people like you that put yourselves out there create awesome stuff to keep us entertained and again i can't say thank you enough to you and people like you for real because you guys are doing god's work there you know taking us away for a moment and we need that in this crazy world so again just- well you know an artist needs someone like you so thank you so much for <laughs> inviting me and having me over because it's, it's a it's like a symbiotic relation you know an artist needs his audience you know and an audience needs that person so it's you give to each other you give to hopefully we give to each other along with many other people as well oh well i can't give and take uh, give and receive maybe let's say give and receive Absolutely. I can't wait to meet you and have the opportunity to meet you in person and get signed copies oh, of the plot yes. anymore. All right. Don't you worry. We get some coquito. We have a good time. Right. Oh, man. Coquito, <laughs> pernil, arroz con gandules. Oh, bro. Wow. Pasteles, pasteles, pasteles. Oh, pasteles de yes. carne. Oh, my God. Bro, stop making me hungry, bro. <laughs> and like, us Puerto Rican pasteles, you know, during Christmas and Thanksgiving. That, that's pasteles season. <laughs> but literally. Give me that shit right now. I'll eat three of them. Um, now you got me thinking about that. I'm planning to go see my mom soon. Like she has in the fridge just when I go oh, over. Mommy, necesito dos, necesito dos pasteles. Let's go. I love no, it. Cuatro, cuatro, dos oh, para ti and two for oh, me. Hey, hey, we're greedy. We're greedy. That's right. So people. Totally, man. I'm I'm a hog when it comes to Latino food, man. Yeah, you and me both, kid. I eat everything, bro. Latino, Italian, Greek. You give it to me. I pretty much. Yeah, I love food. Yeah, you and me. I guess we're like Steven Seagal. We eat everything. Oh, so, <laughs> well, hopefully we don't look like Steven Seagal when we get older. Damn. I mean, no, right now, we'll burn right it now. off. We'll go out walking and screaming yeah, at the comic and we'll burn off all those calories. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because Steven said, oh, I don't think he can lift his legs anymore. You know? <laughs> no, no. I, he, if you watch any of his more recent movies, like he barely moves and he barely yeah. talks as it is. Yeah. Bro, he's Russian now. Remember, you're not making American movies no more. He abandoned. I guess, them. yeah. <laughs> no, but, yeah. You know, a lot of those movies were made in, East, in Eastern Europe and nobody, like, I mean, the guy's just, he's barely trying anymore. Yeah. It's I mean, amazing. It, it, he was great when he came out, those, like, first three, four movies, and that's it. So, yeah, I, I like those a lot, yeah. Like, uh, Hard to Kill, like, uh, I love those. Oh, <laughs> those above wild, the law, right? yeah. Above the Law, uh, Under Siege. Oh, my and God. And then, yeah, after that, I don't particularly care. Yeah, like, that. that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, bro, too funny. I love it. So, folks. Oh, man, we got so much in common, yeah. Yeah, don't worry, but we're going to hang out when we meet in person. That's right, folks. Check it out. Another fellow. Latino, but awesome comic book creator that's out there putting good to the world. Please go visit Gumroad. Look up that Robo Pulp. Go visit the website right now at Welcome to Flat Town. All right? You heard it? Welcome to Flat Town. You can get a free copy there as well. 
There's a little link. If you click on that, you'll get a subscribe. You'll get a free copy of the plot. Folks, if you're anything like me, that's free. You know what I mean? Hey, get get it done. And of course, I need you to follow Melvin on social. So you go to Twitter. It's Robo Pulp. R O B O P U L P. And on Instagram, there's a dot between Robo and Pulp. So Robo dot Pulp. Yo, check them out. Show the love. Tell them Mega sent you. Tell them Comic Crusader sent you. Go ahead and, and support this awesome stuff. Get these free books and then tell Mel that, that you want some artwork and you need some stories done. Get them commissions. <laughs> Do it all, yo. Support indie. Support creators like this, man, because this is the future right there. People like this, man. So, again, thank you so much for hanging out with, with me and my crusader. Thank you very much for having me over. It's been a blast, man. It's been so much fun to reminisce about all the wonders of the island. <laughs> I know, kiddo. You're going to make me get all those old Spanish language comic books now, coño. eBay. I'll send you the link to that one. I'm good. You wouldn't need to see this. Like, Kelly, I'm fighting Galactus on Dr. Doom. That, it's just mind It blew my mind when I saw that. Kelly, I literally I fought everyone now, except Steven Segal, I guess. Oh, yo, Steven, what's up, bro? I wonder if Kelly, man, I mean, Kelly, man is awesome, but I don't know. Steven Segal, versus Calimai. Oof. We need to make that comic, I guess. We need to make but that. It all depends what year he fought Steven Seagal. <laughs> okay, yes, yes, yeah. If it's current, <laughs> 1992, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Steven Seagal would probably whoop his ass then, but not now. Anyway, with that, yes, definitely. Thanks for tuning in. You know what to do. Follow Comic Crusaders everywhere. You can follow me at The Real Outmega everywhere. Whether <clears throat> it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikToks. I I don't take and talk too much, but when I do, I really talk take. Wepa, pa que sepan, hay que estar al medio borigo suprema hasta la próxima. Much love later. Bye. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Comic Podcast. If you like the concept, subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit Comic and our extended podcast family over at ComicCrusaders.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Play Store today.